Well, uh, good morning. Um, I, I wanted to start with um, Andrea and I were uh, standing in a grocery store checkout line, and uh, as as I was looking at the candy bars, the uh, on the very bottom shelf I saw a beautiful magazine cover with a picture of Jesus on it. So I stepped back. I, I looked down, and there was a question above the picture of Jesus. And it said, who was Jesus? And I said, uh, two things came to my mind. Why would someone put the picture of our Lord and Savior on the lowest shelf of the grocery store where no one could see it? The second was the question, who was Jesus? And you know what? That question was wrong too. It should read, who is Jesus? Because he's alive in us. So... This morning, we're going to answer the question, Jesus is. Before I, I get to the main subject of our message, though, we have to build a context that forms the setting for this message. It's the event that completely changed the life of Moses and the Israeli people who were in bondage in Egypt when God gave us his name. Please open your Bibles, and as we open our Bibles, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We love you. We thank you for your sending your Son to redeem us from our sin as we grow and become closer to you. Give us the courage to be your disciples, Father. And... Give our church the empowerment to be a beacon of light for the lost who need you so desperately. Father, be with us as we discover your word this morning and every day. In Jesus' mighty and precious name, amen. So our, our context starts when Moses was tending the sheep for his father-in-law. An angel of the Lord appeared to Moses in a fire a burning bush. Moses, like most of us, would want to look at the bush to find out why it was not being burned. And when the Lord saw that Moses was going to look at the bush, God called out from the middle of the bush, Moses, don't come any closer. Take your shoes off, for this is holy ground. And God started telling Moses that he had seen the suffering of his children in Egypt and has heard their crying. I am came down to deliver them out of the hands of the Egyptians to bring them to good land, large and flowing with milk and honey. Come now, I'll send you to Pharaoh so you can bring the children of Israel out of Egypt. Moses says, who am I to bring Israel out of Egypt? God answered, certainly, that he would be with Moses. And Moses' response is recorded. Uh, please turn to Exodus chapter 3, verses 13 through 15. And Moses said unto God, Behold, when I come unto the children of Israel and shall say unto them, The God of your father has sent me unto you, and they shall say to me, what is his name? What shall I say unto them? And God said unto Moses, 
I am that I am. And he said thus, Shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, I am has sent me unto you. And God said moreover unto Moses, Thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, The Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, has sent me unto you. And this is my name forever. This is my memorial unto all generations. In these scriptures, God gave himself a personal name. I am that I am. From this, the Hebrew term Yahweh is derived. And this phrase, it indicates action. For me, God was in effect saying to Moses, I wish to be known as the God who is present and active in the life of his children. And inherent to the name Yahweh is the promise of the living presence of God himself day by day. With his people, it expresses his faithful love and care and his desire to redeem his people and live in fellowship with him. God also states that this will be his name forever. For all generations. And it is significant that when Jesus Christ was born, he was called Emmanuel, meaning God with us. And it's very cool that Jesus refers to himself as I am several times as documented in the New Testament. Okay, so now we have our context. So let's fast forward several centuries to the start of the earthly ministry of Jesus through our Bible studies and readings as well as the numerous movies that we've, we've made, uh, been made, we know what Jesus' life was probably like. The miracles and healings he's done. Showing the world that he is the Son of God and at the same time was God and also the Spirit of God. The people of Israel just had to believe in him. He was executing the wonderful plan of God to redeem mankind and his creation after the fall of man and sin entered the world. Why was this so difficult to understand for the Jewish leadership? The first, the first century Israeli leadership completely missed the fact that God had came to earth. And these guys knew the Old Testament. They studied it every day. They memorized it their whole life. Yet they failed to recognize who Jesus was because he did not fit their belief of what the coming Messiah would look like. They wanted the Messiah to deliver Israel from the Roman ruling power. They, they wanted a strong king who would conquer the enemies of Israel. And what they got was a humble servant. Remember, the New Testament hadn't been written yet. And it wouldn't be written until about 30 years after the ultimate sacrifice Jesus made on the cross, finishing his work of removing the sin of the world and redeeming mankind. The Apostle John records in his Gospel that Jesus refers to himself as I am seven different times. 
And each time Jesus used the name of God, He gave us a glimpse into the character and nature of His Father. And this is the main point of our time together this morning, to have an accurate understanding of who Jesus is and what He was saying when He used the name of God. Our first statement is written in John chapter 6, verses 31 through 35. Our fathers did eat manna in the desert as it is written. He gave them bread to eat. Then Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Moses gave you not that bread from heaven, but my Father giveth you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he that cometh down from heaven and giveth life unto the world. Then they said unto him, Lord, evermore give us this bread. I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. The backstory of this scripture is Jesus had just fed thousands of people with only a few loaves of bread and fish. Yet some people still wanted a sign to prove he was from God. They rejected his claims. Yet they totally missed the fact that Jesus is a sustenance that nourished their spiritual life. And I find it hilarious that the people who were questioning this miracle from God felt they had to remind Jesus of what God had given their ancestors. Manna from heaven while they wandered in the desert. So when Jesus said he was the bread of life, he was saying that as bread sustains them physically, he would sustain them spiritually, and they did not have to look elsewhere for spiritual food, for nourishment, for sustenance. He was their life. All they needed to do was listen to him, believe in him, and obey his teachings. We all know they rejected this revelation from Jesus. They crucified him. What a shame that was. <clears throat> the next recorded instance was when Jesus was teaching in the temple. John chapter 8, verse 12. Then spake Jesus unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. In this situation, the scribes and the Pharisees brought Jesus a woman who was caught in adultery. They cited, in the law of Moses, this crime deserves stoning and death. Jesus' response to them was, He who is without sin throw the first stone. One by one, they walked away. Jesus asked the woman, where are your accusers now? They're gone, Lord. Jesus said he does not condemn her either. Go and sin no more. Jesus' words reflect his redemptive love for the lost and is placed in contrast to the unloving attitude of the Pharisees. The response of the Pharisees to the woman was condemnation and a judgment of death. 
Jesus' response to her was kindness, forgiveness, and an offer of a new life if she leaves her sin. Jesus offered this woman salvation and a way out of her sin. Friends, Jesus removes darkness and deception by illuminating the right way to God and salvation. And when we follow Jesus, we are delivered from darkness, sin, and the broken world we live in today. However, the statement, he that followeth me is a continuing action. He is not saying, follow me temporarily. Once we accept his salvations, we follow him for our whole life. To walk in lightness, we need to follow Jesus every day and sin no more. Pretty simple. The next uh, I am statement is very well known. It's in John chapter 10, verse 9. I am the door. If any man either uh, enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. pasture. Jesus is again teaching that he is the only way to salvation. Others may come and try to declare that they are the way to life, but they are thieves and robbers. Those who enter through Jesus will be saved and will have abundant eternal life. They'll have all they need to be delivered from sin, guilt, and condemnation. Jesus is the only door to salvation. No other way exists to receive this wonderful gift. Amen? The next statement is also well known to believers. It's in the same chapter, chapter 10, verse 11. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for his sheep. In this statement, Jesus portrays his great love and care for his followers. He's the one who willingly protects his flock. Psalm 23 comes to mind here. By David declaring, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Once again, the Jewish leadership missed this Old Testament scripture and disregarded that statement. Jesus declares himself to be the promised good shepherd. And this metaphor illustrates Jesus' tender and devoted care for his people. For me, it is as if he's saying, I am toward all who believe in him as a good shepherd. He will be caring, watchful, loving, and is willing to give his life for us. What a comforting feeling that is. This promise is a distinguishing mark of Christ as the good shepherd. He's willing to die for his sheep. This action emphasizes the uniqueness of Christ sacrificed on the cross for the world and even us. His death on the cross saved his sheep forever. No other world leader or deity can make that claim. It makes me feel so good to know God is watching over us continually, working everything for our good. Our next statement 
comes at the raising of Lazarus from the dead. John chapter 11, verses 25 through 27. Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth in me shall never die. Believe thou this? She saith unto him, Yea, Lord, I believe that thou art the Son of God which should come into the world. We've all heard the story before. Jesus loved Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, and he delayed his travel to Bethany for two days. The disciples were concerned that Jesus would be stoned by the Jews on the way. And when Jesus arrived in Bethany, he found that Lazarus had been dead for four days. Jesus tells uh, Martha that Lazarus will rise again. Martha possibly had doubts or maybe didn't quite understand what Jesus was going to do. But what the bottom line is here? For the person who believes in Jesus, physical death is not a tragic end. Instead, it is a gateway to abundant eternal life with fellowship with God. And it's interesting here. In, in the previous five verses before this revelation, Jesus tells his disciples not to be sad that he will go for uh, prepare a place for them in his father's house and he will come again and receive them unto himself. As sure as Christ went to heaven, so will he return from his father's presence and take his followers to be with him in heaven to the place he has prepared for them. And this promise is the hope for all believers today. I do believe these scriptures provide us undeniable truth that Jesus is the Father. And the Father is in Jesus. And the words Jesus speaks to us is not of himself, but of the Father that dwells in him. For me, this confirms the deity of Christ. Our next statement should be very, very familiar to us because the last time I was up here, we went over the meaning pretty thoroughly, I thought. The parable of the true vine. John chapter 15, verse 1. I am the, vi uh, the true vine, and my father is the husbandman. In this parable, Jesus describes himself as the true vine. Those who have become his disciples are the branches. By remaining attached to him as the source of life, we begin to bear fruit. And the father is the gardener or the husbandman that prunes the branches so we can bear more fruit. This last statement emphasizes the sustaining power of Christ in our life. But there's a catch. We must abide or live in him always. Let's give him a praise offering. That was good. Thank you, Jesus. <clears throat> Brothers and sisters, God gave himself a name. The name of God is I am that I am. It is forever God's memorial to all generations. God's Word declares two more I am statements, but they're not metaphors or parables. They are declarations 
of God's name as applied to Jesus himself. The first instance comes in response from Jesus to the Jews who were questioning him concerning who he was. Let's roll back to uh, um, John chapter 8, verse 58. Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, before Abraham was, I am. This declaration must have been traumatic for the Jews. Possibly may have caused a couple of heart attacks and fainting spells. Jesus told the political establishment of Jerusalem that he was alive before their father Abraham was. Remember, the Jews knew the Old Testament very well. And they knew the time frame for Abraham's life was centuries before. In order for this statement to be true, Jesus would have to have had lived in Abraham's time. Which was impossible for them to believe because Jesus was maybe in his early 30s. That would mean Jesus was God. Instead of a moment of clarity of who Jesus is, the revelation convinced the Jews that Jesus had a devil in him. They picked up stones to kill him, so he had to be, uh, he departed hastily and got away. Thank God. Um, the next and final instance of Jesus applying to himself the name I am comes in the Garden of Gethsemane as documented in John chapter 18 verses 4 through 6. John chapter 18 verses 4 through 6. Jesus, therefore, knowing all things that should come upon him, went forth and said unto them, Whom seek ye? They answered him, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus saith unto them, I am he. And Judas, which also betrayed him, stood with them. And as soon as he had said unto them, I am he, they went backward and fell to the ground. What a strange reaction to, uh, for the mob who come to arrest Jesus to move backward and fall to the ground. A possible explanation to the mob's reaction is the fact that Jesus simply said, I am he, applying God's covenant name to himself. In this instance, Jesus demonstrated his power over, the, over his foes and showed his surrender to them was voluntary, just like his crucifixion would be. Jesus followed God's plan for the redemption of mankind by taking our sin to himself. And all, all believers know the rest of, of his actions after his sacrifice and resurrection it's an, another message that I won't get into right now, but um, Jesus' beautiful power and amazing earthly ministry for the redemption of mankind was totally missed by the Jewish leadership. Once again, these guys knew and understood the Old Testament. They studied it their whole lives and never made the connection of God's word to the man who was standing in front of him. I have to confess here, that makes me angry. 
the only comfort I have here is the knowledge that God, God's plan for the redemption of His creation all those centuries ago. Our message today gives us the undisputable truth of Jesus as the one true God, which is the second fundamental truth of our faith. God has revealed Himself in Jesus as eternally self-existent. I am the creator of heaven and earth and the redeemer of mankind. Amen? I want to give you uh, uh, one more scripture to sum up our message. It's in Philippians chapter 2. We're going to start at uh, verse 9. Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him, and gave him a name which is above every name, that the name of Jesus every knee should bow of the things in heaven, and the things in earth, and things under the earth. And that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. When our Lord and Savior was born, all men called Him Jesus. He took on a fully human nature with its temptations, its humiliations, its weaknesses, and yet He was without sin. And it comforts me greatly that Jesus, Jesus' life could never have happened any other way. If it had, we would not have the wonderful, precious relationship with the Father. We wouldn't be able to pray to God in the name of Jesus. God Himself gave Him, God gave Himself the name, I am that I am. And in His divine nature, Jesus also declares He is the bread of life. If you're feeling spiritual hunger, let Jesus supply the sustenance to eliminate that hunger from your life. Jesus is the light of the world. Maybe you've been living in darkness of sin and need some guidance let the light of Jesus remove from you the darkness and place you into the light. Jesus is the door. If you feel something that is keeping you from walking through the door, our Jesus provides the way to the Father. Don't wait any longer. The Father's arms are open now. Take that first step and draw closer to Jesus. Jesus is the good shepherd. Maybe you're feeling separated from God or our church family. God's word tells us that Jesus will leave the 99 to find you and joyfully put you on his shoulders to bring you back to the flock. Jesus is the good shepherd. Let him find you today. Jesus is the resurrection and life. If you're feeling hopeless and need inspiration, Jesus battled in the grave and on the third day rose to victory. 
He is the resurrection in life. He will comfort you in your time of need. You can let Him do that now. Jesus is the way, the truth, the life. If you're lost and need direction in your life, maybe the enemy is lying to you. Remember, Jesus is the way. He's the only person who can and will save you. All you have to do is receive the gift of salvation which is offered freely to you through Jesus. <clears throat> Jesus is the true vine. If you need confidence and comfort, remember Jesus is the vine that you can abide in Him forever. He'll give you rest and nourishment in His presence. Jesus is the one true God. He is eternal. He's personal. He possesses all knowledge. He's all-powerful. He's in all places, and He's unchanging. The Bible speaks of three persons who share the same nature and essence in one God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy, Holy Spirit. To answer our question this morning, Jesus is God. Amen. Amen. I want to uh, take some time here to respond to what the Holy Spirit is telling you right now, telling me. The altars are open for prayer. You can come forward now. Our pastor's here. If you need personal prayer, if you're feeling led to pray as a church family, Gather with your brothers and sisters in a prayer circle right now. You can do that if you feel so led. If you haven't accepted Jesus, now um, to receive... Sorry. If you haven't received Jesus as your Lord and Savior... You can do that today as, as well. Believe me, He will change your life. If you're not comfortable with coming forward, raise your hand so we can see you and uh, come to you and love you, pray with you, to encourage you. For our brothers and sisters online, we miss you and our... Uh, Look forward to seeing you in, in person soon. If you're online and don't have a home church or are looking for a church, you are welcome here. Come as you are, and you will discover and grow in Jesus. Any prayers? I'll give you another few minutes. Okay. Let's, let's go ahead and, and close in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the word and the clarity it provides us in our time of need. 
Father, we come to you now humbled by your greatness in all things, Father. I thank you so much for the gift of Jesus in our life. Father, as, as we uh, move on to the rest of our day, be with us. Lead us and guide us in everything we do, Father. We thank you for your presence in our life and all the gifts you give us each day. In Jesus' mighty and precious name, we pray these things. Amen. Amen. Well, that's all I, I have for you today. Thank you, brother. I, I really appreciate the time. You Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah, that was good. God, thank you so much for the reminder of who you are. Jesus, I'm so thankful that no matter where we're at, no matter what we're going through, you are what we need. And so, Father, no matter who we are or where we're at this morning, Jesus, you desire to meet us where we're at. You desire to be who we need in that moment. And we know that, God, when we turn to you, when we look to you, God, you take all those things that we need and you just bring them and help us and lead us and guide us and change us. And, God, we're just so thankful that you are. God, we thank you for this time. We thank you for this opportunity to come and be together. We love you. And we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Thank you, Randy. Great job. Awesome job. Mm. Mm. So, awesome. Listen, a couple of things to remind you about. Remember, next week, we're going to start collecting for the kiddos. Prayers this week, the ladies' book clubs this week. There's a lot going on. If you have any questions, come see me. Also, Dorothy's funeral is this week. So, again, if you have any questions, please let me know. Hope you have a wonderful week, an awesome time. Um, and uh, God bless you and have a great week. We'll see you soon.